0: Welcome to Adequate Yearly Progress, Episode 12. My name is Erin Sterling, and I'm the librarian at Eckstein Middle School in Seattle, Washington. Every episode, I interview a different teacher and find out why they became a teacher, what they like about it and what they don't like about it. In this episode, I interview Chris Bach, a teacher and friend of mine who only started at Eckstein last year, but is someone who I feel like I've known for a long time. Chris has taught high school, has his principal credentials, is now teaching middle school, and what comes across in this interview is his full commitment to education, love of teaching, and how he tries every single day to make learning both relatable and fun for students. Listen to him talk about how he transitioned from someone who is not engaged in school at all into someone completely motivated to change the world through teaching. All right, let's go. Hi, Chris. I'm glad you're on my show. For everyone listening, this is Chris Bach. He is a teacher at Eckstein Middle School who teaches language arts. So Chris, could you tell me about yourself and why you became a teacher?
1: Yeah, thank you, Erin. So I am 31 years old. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I lived there for the most part until I was about 21. And then I came up to Seattle to go to the University of Washington where I got my master's in teaching. Okay. Uh, I became a teacher because of my own personal experiences as a student growing up. I was a disenfranchised student, Mm. so I really wasn't successful in school ever until I was in college the second time around. Middle school, high school, I was really passed in middle school only because of social promotion, so the idea that you go with your age group and then not because of your performance at all. And high school, I actually didn't graduate. I was .5 credits away from graduating.
0: That must have driven your parents a little crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely, it did. I uh, just I wasn't movi- motivated at all at that point to um graduate. I could have graduated really easily. I was doing running start and I had credits from community college that I could have transferred over. But I was mm. so frustrated with the process and with being in high school. And there's other things going on with my parents and their relationship and how mm, that impacted right. me that just made me want to be done with it all and over it. So mm. the smart the smart thing to do would have been to transfer the credit and be over it in th- that <laughs> way. But I was just so over it that I wasn't even willing to do that step.
0: Yeah. So what did you do instead of almost graduating? <laughs> Um. Or so, before you got your, before you so ended like, going back to school, because that obviously happened. Yeah,
1: so I, I, after, I mean, after high school, when I was supposed to graduate, I kind of, sort of went to community college afterwards. I um, would take classes, and I would withdraw before the deadline, and I would take classes and, you know, get a D, because I didn't show up. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time at that point just, I don't know, hanging out with my family and my friends. Mm. Um I was, a, I was a nice kid. I was a good person, but I just didn't have the academic component figured out. So I, it took me a while to do that. So I actually moved away to L.A., um, to kind of pursuing and trying to pursue a career in acting Okay. and made a run at that. And I was having a moderate amount of success, but I just wasn't interested in that work after a while. And I mm-hmm. went to Europe. Um, I was fortunate to be able to go back track, uh, backpack through Europe for two months. And when it was in Europe... Uh, I realized for the first time that I actually liked learning. I'd never taken ownership of my own learning. Mm. I'd never really connected anything that I was learning with the real world. Right. And it's not to say that people didn't try to do, have me do that, it just had never happened for me. Mm-hmm. And so I actually remember standing in Auschwitz in Poland, at one of the mm, concentration right. camps, and having this really unique experience for myself, where I was like, "This is this is real. All of this happened," right. and it made it made history came alive for me at that point, or come alive for me at that point. And so I had a completely different perspective on learning at that point. So I went back to school at that point, and from that point on, I essentially had straight A's and was very successful in school. Okay.
0: So did you go um, to community college then, or then? Transfer to? So I
1: went back to community now. college, and so I was at Portland Community College for a little while, and I was just absolutely driven. I had a compulsion, really, to be <laughs> successful. So I took um, extra classes. I was overloaded. I'd have to get special <laughs> approval to take extra classes, and I'd take classes in summer term. I think one summer I took 24, 25 credits. What? It was That's insane. I had to crazy. read 13 books in two months and write who knows how many papers, right? Um, but a lot. And so I went from Portland Community College to Portland State University. So I got my bachelor's from Portland State in Mm -hmm. English and then transferred to UW uh, for my master's in teaching.
0: Okay. And did you feel like you were prepared to do it? Because it sounded like you were able to do well once you put your mind to it. So do you think it was, like, did you absorb some things or did you just, it was kind of just,
1: this was the drive? It was the drive. No, I mean, I actually can remember sitting in a class at Portland Community College after I decided to do well, and I had a conversation with myself where I, was, I didn't know how to be successful. I literally did not know how to write a paragraph at that point, which okay. is really interesting because I'm right. a language yeah, arts it, teacher yeah. now. Huh. Uh, and I remember sitting there and being like, how, how am I going to be successful? I've decided that this is going to happen, but how is right. this going to happen? And so the only thing that I could figure out was, well, I've seen movies where people are nerdy And where they do different things like organize Mm -hmm. their binders, have a pencil pouch, you know, (laughs) ask their teachers questions. And I had to think about it through the perspective of like films that I'd seen and then emulate those strategies. And then that first term back, I locked and worked my way into a four point doing those strategies. Mm -hmm. And then I started to be like, oh, this is how it works. And it makes sense. This is how you're a student. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. But you wanted to be kind of once you were. Once you were deciding, like, this is what I want to do, you wanted to be a teacher. Absolutely. Right I knew
1: I knew right away when I went back and I started being successful. I also realized when I was in Europe that I was a reader. Like, I would go home and I would secretly read after school. <laughs> I wouldn't read the books that I was supposed to read for school. I would go home after sports or hanging out with friends. I don't think anybody else really knew that I read. <laughs> and I would read. And I was reading, like, lots of, like, pulp science fiction mm. and fantasy Um, And I read all the time. But it just never had occurred to me that I was a reader. Right. And so when I went back to school, to community community college, and I was successful, right away I knew that I wanted to be a teacher who could help students who were like myself, who were not prepared to come to school when they enter the building. Mm -hmm. And there are so many students that we have for a number of different reasons that aren't successful.
0: So you were a reader, but you didn't really identify.
1: Absolutely not. Oh, when I was younger, I mean... I'm a really big person. I'm 6'5", and I'm 265 pounds. (laughs) And I've been big since I was, I think seventh grade, actually, is when I got big. I mean, by the time eighth grade rolled around, I was 6'2", and I was 185, 90 pounds, which is (laughs) massive for an eighth grader. It's massive for an adult, but for an eighth grader, it's massive. So I was always an athlete and a football player, and people gave me praise for that. And I just never identified with being a student. I never identified with the academic aspect of school. It was sports and friends and the academics were really missing. And mm-hmm. I got away with that in a lot of ways because I was an athlete and because my parents were, had a dysfunctional relationship and I could kind of hide mm-hmm. some of my...
0: Well, you're, you're friendly, right? I yeah, mean, you're, exactly. You're, you could buy by being a like, meanable person. Exactly. And I was. Even when
1: I was younger, I wasn't doing well at school. I was still really nice and respectful. My teachers liked me. And so I, I got away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't set me up to be successful academically. I mean, not... I, I really couldn't. I couldn't write a paragraph when I was 19. I mean, I had to sit down and force myself Mm -hmm. to learn all of those things. And it wasn't the fault of my teachers. I mean, I was not ready to be successful. Mm There's so much going on that it was, um, I just, I wasn't there. And the moment that I was ready, Mm -hmm. I was able to do those things and seek those things out and those learning experiences on my own.
0: Mm. And did you want to be a language arts teacher right off the get-go when you were going back?
1: Uh, it, for the most part, yes. I mean, I had a conversation, again, with myself in my head. I think I do that a lot. Where I uh, I was trying to think about... I knew I wanted to be a teacher, and I was trying to think about what is something that I actually really enjoy? What is something that I can see myself you know, going to school, getting a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. in, and then working with students around that? And it came to me really quickly that it was about reading and about writing, because those are things that I then learned that I valued a lot. And so that made a lot of sense to me at that point um, to be an English teacher and to go to school. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And do you have any other credentials?
1: I do. So I'm also certified to teach uh, English as a second language, and I also have my administration credential.
0: Oh, crazy. Did you do that all at once?
1: No. So the... I my certification for English I essentially had done before I entered my masters in teaching program. Mm, Usually okay. when you enter a program yep. you have to have s- right, some yeah, some credits done. So that was done essentially, but my uh it, my English as a second language credential I earned while I was going through my master's in teaching program. Okay. Uh, very early on in a student teaching experience or mm-hmm. observation experience that I was having, I met a man who was getting his administrative credentials, mm-hmm. and he had talked about his experiences and how important it was for him as a teacher to have his um, ESL credential because it taught him some really great strategies to be successful with all students. Right. Right. And I recognized this need really early on. I was like, this is something I'm passionate about. I yeah. want to make a difference in the lives of students. And I need really good strategies to be able to do that. Right. So well, that... Especially with your background, I imagine. Yes. Um, and the administrator credential came later after I'd been teaching for a while.
0: But did you did you know that you wanted to, to do that?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was very calculated and very specific with my plan. I mean, I before I'd even... I mean, probably the first trimester or semester that I was back in college, I knew exactly that I wanted to be an administrator. And it was I wanted to be able to make the biggest difference in the lives of as many students as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I, from a very kind of naive standpoint, never having been successful in school, set this plan in motion, like developed this plan and (laughs) set it in motion um, very early. As you do. Yeah. (laughs) When you're young. Exactly. And
0: passionate. And so you taught in high school. Mm um. I guess, how, what was the process of choosing high school and then now ending up in middle school?
1: So I, I just because of my own experiences, was really passionate about transferring students into high school and having mm-hmm. them be successful. I mean, it's a really important part of high school, moving right. from a smaller middle school into high school and having strategies and success early on. Mm-hmm. Research and experience shows that students who are successful their first year of high school will be successful throughout. Right. In addition to that, I had an experience when I was uh, doing an observation in a middle school where, I, because I'm so tall and middle school students in general aren't, yeah. there was a little boy who hugged me and he was, was actually at my crotch height and <laughs> hugged me. And so it was really awkward uh, and awkward. I was scared away and I was not ready to deal with that. So high school, because of my own personal experiences, mm-hmm. and then being a giant also seemed like the right place.
0: Right, right. Um, and then how... But you're now at a middle school. Yes. Um, so how did that come about?
1: Oh, it's a, I mean, it was a lot of different reasons. But I was in high school, uh, out of high school teaching, uh, and I really enjoyed where I was at. I was working with a great team of people, mm-hmm. uh, and I was learning a lot. But I was so set on becoming an administrator. Right. And so I moved away from the classroom to do administrative work and okay. to get my administrative credentials. So I went back to UW. Uh, to get my admin cert through the Danforth program, and I was at Nathan Hale for a year as an admin intern. Okay, and I, so does that
0: work? Like, is that essentially your full time job? Yeah, the, or people do like it, people, the program? people
1: do it in different ways, but because I'm would be a younger administrator, I wanted to do a full time right experience because Mm -hmm. i knew that i needed to get as much experience in doing that work as possible other people that have been teaching for longer and been around buildings or in different roles maybe we'll do it half time or they'll figure out how to make it work with Mm -hmm. their particular job that they already have right but i was a full-time intern essentially doing the work of like an assistant principal yeah (laughs) and beauty of interns exactly and i and so i did that work, and I really valued it, but I also found that I missed being in the classroom with students. The yeah. interactions that you have yeah. as an administrator uh, due to the structure of the position and the demands on the job often are different than the way that you develop a relationship with students in the classroom, right. and I really missed that. And when I started to realize that I missed that, I realized that I wanted to go back to the classroom before okay. I became an administrator. It's still part of my pathway, and some okay. sometime down the road I'll do that, but I... I love working with kids, day in yeah. and day out. So, I quickly thought about wanting to where I wanted to go. Did I want to go to high school? Did I want to go to middle school? And I knew that I wanted to get a bigger picture about how students were coming into high school mm-hmm. with yeah, in places where they weren't they weren't ready to be successful. Right. And so for me it made sense that I would go to a middle school and start seeing some of the work that was done in middle school and mm-hmm. seeing how students were transitioning from elementary school into middle school. Mhm.
0: And how have you liked middle school compared to high school? Because it's been a few years. Yeah, it's been a few years. Is this XN on your first middle, middle school? It is. Yeah.
1: Uh, middle school, I mean, students students are so different at every <laughs> single age and every single grade. Uh, and not, you know, a lot of teachers can teach middle school and high school, and some teachers should only be in high school and some only in middle school. Right. Uh, but I, I, I really enjoy being in a middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids in middle school are wacky or zany. <laughs> uh, they, they do and say the True. most ridiculous things and sometimes think them as well. And they need so much support. And they need <laughs> teachers who can, do all, can be all of those things, too. And so I really enjoy that experience with middle schoolers. High school students, depending on the grade, I mean, freshmen come in. And although they were the top dogs in eighth grade, they're now at the bottom of the pile. Right. And they're really ready to kind of have somebody help bring them into the high school experience. Sophomores can get a little bit more jaded and they think they know a lot. I mean, they're, you know, they're sophomores. They're wise fools, right? Right,
0: right.
1: (laughs) Juniors are a lot more adult-like, but they can get some pretty lazy habits. And then Mm -hmm. seniors, sometimes it's that same thing. They're recognizing that they're near the end. They're kind of burnt out sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's great to work with them all, but I really value working with kids at this age. They're so fun. So Um, fun and they it's just every day is exciting and kids say things that make me laugh and <laughs> there's so much important work to do that it's at yeah. this age that's so fun
0: i think uh, i talk, i've talked to some people and people are like you're a middle school teacher wow that's amazing and most of my experience had been in elementary actually before or just what i'd thought about going into but it turns out being in middle school not so awesome teaching middle school though I think it's so much fun for those reasons. Uh, And maybe partly the reasons that it really wasn't that fun to begin with because you're going through so much in middle school, like from 11 to 14. I mean, what a crazy period. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, the
1: demands are crazy. They're so great. I mean, not only are you going through like all the physical changes that you go through, but there's all these massive social changes that happen. And then the academic demands are huge. You go from being this little kid who, I mean your mom and dad's super important and you have some friends and you play around and you watch tv shows or movies and you're Mm -hmm. interested in whatever you're interested in but you really have to in middle school start being even though you're nowhere near being an adult you have to take on so many kind of adult-like demands when it comes to Mm -hmm. the academic work and that's a huge challenge and so it's it's a lot it's done yeah work
0: so i mean you've touched on things a little bit Mm -hmm. but what what do you like most about being a teacher
1: Um, it's really just working with the kids specifically in the classroom. I mean, there is nothing better than having a day where I'm focused on a really specific skill. Like Mm -hmm. I'm teaching my students how to write and structure essays. And when kids are dialed in and they're working and I'm hustling around the room trying to get to every single kid in a period and Mm -hmm. offer them support and help them grow as a writer. When you leave those days, or at least for me, I'm absolutely exhausted. I mean, I've been on my feet. I'm running around. I'm, you know, I'm running around a classroom all day long. But I feel so excited about having helped so many students develop their capacity as a writer, or a reader, or as a thinker, or as a speaker. And so it's those days mm-hmm. when, and a lot can go wrong in those days. It's not to say that everything goes right because right, that almost never happens as a teacher <laughs> but when you have that experience of helping grow those kids and it's really phonetic and you're just all over the place and the kids are focused mm-hmm. it's there's nothing more rewarding than that yeah i agree
0: um, and then on the flip side what's frustrating
1: oh there's an infinite amount of things almost that are frustrating <laughs> as being a teacher uh, the things that i find the most frustrating though um, have nothing to do with the kids. Right. The kid issues are great. I mean, all sorts of kids are different and they have different issues, mm-hmm. but you get into this profession knowing you're going to deal with kid issues. Right. So no matter how frustrating something might be within a day with a student, that's not ever an issue that's an issue that says, this makes the job hard. Right. It just makes it more difficult to work with that student for the moment, but mm-hmm. we have all sorts of strategies to deal with those sorts of issues. The bigger things, I think, are not having the ability to make the impact that i want to be able to make Mm. i want to help every single student every single day be as successful as possible and sometimes due to the realities of the job Mm -hmm. that is problematic i mean working in classes that are large trying to get to every single student Having students that have different levels of preparedness and readiness to come into a classroom can be a really big challenge. So all the things for me that really get uh, that make teaching problematic are really some of the larger systemic issues Mm -hmm. um, and things that as a country, we're having conversations about and trying to figure out what direction is best. Mm -hmm. But right now, there are people that think that there are different directions that are best, whether, um, I mean, there are all sorts of contentious issues, whether it is class size, whether Mm -hmm. it's common core standards, Mm -hmm. whether it's charter schools, and how all of that interplays and Mm -hmm. how it's used sometimes as political tools for one person to accomplish a certain viewpoint or another. And in the middle of all that is the teachers and the kids and how we're learning and interacting together. And mm-hmm. so it's when those bigger systemic, systemic, systemic things reach down into the classroom and make yeah. the job a little bit more difficult, that's when it gets frustrating.
0: Yeah. Is that what appeals to you about still thinking about administration in the future?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I, I love the fact that the United States is so committed to public education. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a great thing about this country. And the ability to impact so many people in such a positive way is very appealing. Mm -hmm. And so I absolutely one day um, would see myself becoming an Mm -hmm. administrator again. And it's, again, working to make a building, I mean, such an enjoyable and great place for students to come and Mm -hmm. to learn. And... I don't know exactly what that best environment is, but I look forward to the day that like, I feel really confident in my ability to, to create that across the building mm-hmm. um, and then be able to do that work.
0: Yeah. And then kind of, I guess, diving back more into the classroom, can you think of any lesson plans that went like just really, really well? And if there were any, uh, and that's a hard question because I think it's hard to come up with something in particular, but um, it's like an inter- inter- It's <laughs> like an interview question that you guys- Right, yes, to- yes, <laughs> that you have to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, more like what? What are the or what are the strategies that you find when when you are having that kind of energy where you're getting to work with lots of students? So and it could be either one of those.
1: There, yeah, there there are all sorts of different either specific lessons or concepts or things that work. One of the big learning experiences for, for me was just how specific you have to be in structuring lessons, <laughs> in providing like. Instructions that students can follow that mm-hmm. are chunked down into smaller time components. Right. And when I started getting my mind around how to make that work for students, um, I think my lessons became more effective. And I became a much better teacher, and I enjoyed the process more. And so, I mean, there's lots of really simple things, just like using a daily PowerPoint with entry tasks, Mm -hmm. agendas, previewing that, having specific directions for each activity, setting timers, all sorts of just little teachery things or strategies that that work. Mm -hmm. And those are the small things. But I think some of the bigger kind of picture things are talking about things with kids that really matter to kids and that really Mm -hmm. matter in our world. The more that I'm able to do that and find either texts that kids relate to, in that Mm -hmm. way or bring up bigger ideas that kids relate to in that way the more not only enjoyable it is but the more that i'm able to leverage that enjoyment Mm -hmm. um for skill development
0: right and that i feel like it kind of speaks actually your own experience of not being able to relate a little bit and i i think there are a lot of teachers who are trying to figure out how do you make things real for students um in really positive and engaging ways so that's great and how about lessons that don't go so well, I don't need a specific example, but what do you, what do you do?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, there are all sorts, any given day. And it's so interesting because you don't, you don't know, you can't know ahead of time whether or not something's (laughs) going to go well or not. I mean, I could have, I could believe that the lesson that I planned is going to be the best lesson ever that I've ever come up with and bring it into the classroom. And then it falls flat. Right. And it could be vice versa. I could have a lesson that I developed in just a few minutes Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden becomes this really rich and rewarding learning experience. Mm -hmm. And over time, I get better at kind of figuring those pieces out. Right. But there are all sorts of things that will happen. I think... A lot of it has to do, though, with where I'm at on a given day, whether I'm centered Mm -hmm. and present in the classroom, and I'm ready to meet the challenges in the classroom. I always say that a lot of times teaching is like surfing a giant wave, and you have to keep your balance the whole time. And the minute that you get just the littlest bit bit off balance, you're going to crash. And, I mean, you have 30 kids that you're working with at a period. They all have their own needs. And you have to be able to manage that while running a classroom. Right. And if you don't keep that right balance, then it's really hard to get everything, everyone focused again when you do crash for a minute. And that happens. I mean, it happens all the time where whether there's a student that's having a really tough day Mm -hmm. um, and has some other needs that need to be met first before Mm -hmm. they get ready to be in the classroom that can be distracting or uh just all sorts of different things, like let's see, um it can be even just the kids are really i mean wacky on a particular <laughs> oh, yeah. day, I so mean whether it's 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 air. yeah hormones, Halloween, yeah. I mean getting ready for the holidays, anything can make students different on a different day, and there's all sorts of things like that that can make teaching a lesson or having a day be difficult,
0: yeah. And thinking about people who might want to become teachers, do you have any advice or suggestions?
1: I think this is a really important issue. I think teaching is one of the most rewarding and powerful professions that exists. I Mm -hmm. mean, I honestly can't imagine myself doing much else, Mm -hmm. nor would I want to. Um, but at the same time that I say that, there are so many teachers that leave the profession. I think the statistic yeah. that people quote most often is whatever, 50% like of teachers in five years, I think, right, are leaving right. the profession. It's just, it's it's hard. I mean, you have yeah. to be able to self-motivate and stay positive and f- be very centered and present. And you have to be able to um, do what works for your students mm-hmm. every single day and believe that what you're doing is the right thing. hmm and if you're not able to keep that – keep yourself student-focused, student-centered, mm-hmm. and you let some of the bigger system things weigh you down, it right. gets really tough. Yeah. And so – sorry, what was the question? Oh, oh, asked, no, I, I no, 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 you're good. Just right.
0: about, like, advice for teachers. Oh, yeah, for advice for teachers. teachers. Uh, yeah, so
1: I think one of the biggest things is knowing – Getting into a classroom as early as possible, mm. getting experiences working with students, learning how to structure lessons and scaffold them, mm-hmm. um, learning how to bring your own creativity into the classroom, because mm-hmm. if you're not ex- excited about doing things, students won't be. Right. Uh, recognizing how to do things that are time savers. Mm-hmm. Um, there are specific ways to search the internet for, you know, curriculum that you can use and adapt to what you're doing that saves a lot of time rather than developing everything yourself. Right. Um, but I think some of the biggest things is just understanding that not only is it OK, it's necessary to build really strong relationships with students to, yeah. in my mind, to be an effective teacher. Uh, teachers relate to students in all sorts of different ways and people have different personalities. But it's important to really have a strong um, sense of being of being there to care about students and communicating that to students because students react really differently to people that they believe care about them Mm -hmm. and that they believe do not care about them. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out how you can put yourself in a place, place day in and day out with every single student that Mm -hmm. you can express that to them. And if you can do that, you may not be successful every single day, but you will be successful.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, And then kind of wrapping things up, I could, keep on talking forever but i will let you go at some point um <laughs> are there any students or classes that stand out in your mind for it could be for any reason and it doesn't have to be a, like you don't have to name names obviously um but are, are there any that kind of stick out
1: yeah there absolutely are. there are there are classes i mean it's always the first year as a teacher is always <laughs> something that stands out i think because it's you're you're on your own all of a sudden and teachers are isolated often you're in your classroom you shut the door you have the door open but you don't see a lot of other adults and you've got to make it work and so that's a challenge Um, so I think teachers probably remember their first year often Uh, but I mean honestly every single year is special Uh, Mm -hmm. kids are different classes are different schools are different and so everything is so unique and it's organic and it changes and getting to you know sense and experience how each year is different is really rewarding so honestly they all stand out in different ways. Um this is the successes of individual students mm-hmm. stand out. I mean there are specific students that I can think of that I mean they could barely be in a class for 10 minutes without right uh having some sort of whether it's a behavioral issue or some really severe anxiety around certain issues mm-hmm. and building their capacity over a year to not only be in the classroom but to be successful. Um, but also some of the really hard stories um, mm-hmm. that that you learn as a teacher about your students, some of the real challenges that they face on a day-to-day basis, and some of the really horrific things that happen yeah. to them or their families stand out. I mean, I've had students that have passed away even, and I've not oh, been teaching for that long. Yeah. And it's a, it's, hard. it's an incredibly difficult thing. I mean, we as teachers live our students' lives with them in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. We see them every single day. We see... Yeah. A their, lot. <laughs> we see a lot. We see their their hopes, their dreams that, you know, we know often what they did over the weekend mm-hmm. and how everything went for them. And we can tell when they're in a bad mood. We can tell when they're in a happy mood. And so, I mean, students and in in classes and in years absolutely stand out. And I, I don't know how to say that one stands out more than another, because right. every yeah. single kid mm-hmm. and every single year is so... Uh, it's so meaningful to me as a person. I mean, mm-hmm. I grow along with my students every single year, and I change, and I learn so much. Um, and not just about, like, the academics, but about being a person. And I think the students do, too. And so it's, I mean, I I value so much being a teacher. One of the ways that I end um, most of my school years is... I'll talk to my students kind of at the end, and I try to have conferences with every student individually. But mm-hmm. I also try to talk to my students as a, cl- a whole, and I'll, s- I'll say, like, you know, thank you for spending one, you know, th- in my case now one thirty-first of my life mm-hmm. with me. I mean, it's a really significant yeah. thing. Most people don't spend this much time with with people. I yeah. mean, you have your parents, you have your immediate friends, but you don't spend this much time with people and teachers we're really fortunate that we get to spend so many years with so many people and get to know them so well. And, you know, my students grow and they go on and now they're going to go into high school eventually and then to college. But it's so rewarding to have that relationship. I mean, there are students that I've been teaching long enough now that I have students that When I was originally teaching, they were seniors and, you know, that are now
0: in the world. Yeah, they're in the
1: world. They're working. And I run into them around Seattle sometimes. And it's really amazing to see these people that you've worked with grow and become adults. And there just isn't, I just can't imagine a better, more rewarding, fulfilling career than working with kids.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that is a great place to end. So thank you so much for being on my show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's the end of my show. Thanks for listening. You can find future episodes on AdequateYearlyProgress.com, iTunes, and hopefully soon the Microsoft podcast app. Thanks to the band Inspira's song, Follow the Waves, for the upbeat music you are dancing to right now. Thanks to freesound.org for the Creative Commons license for user S-B-Y-A-N-D-I-J-I's alarm bell sound, user Totia's Yeah sound, and user Mental Sanity Off for the background chatter sound. Thanks for listening and talk to you next on March 8th.